Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. I'm delighted to host this podcast and share key trends and innovations for each of the 25 industries we serve. At SAP, we like to say that we speak the language of our customers, and this language is industry. We've been supporting all industries for more than 50 years now, and it's exciting to launch this podcast and discuss with industry experts the business value that they get from our solutions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Industry Insights podcast by SAP. My name is Tom Raftery, and with me on the show today, I have my special guest, Timo. Timo, welcome, and would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Hi, Tom. Uh, my name is Timo Elliott. I'm an innovation evangelist for SAP. It's a little bit of a strange title, but it basically means I work with our customers on the leading edge of innovation, try and gather the lessons learned, and then share that with as many people as possible so that we can all be more successful. What do you mean it's a strange title? I've got exactly the same title, Timo. <laughs> <laughs> So, Timo, we know that you're a rabid, enthusiastic listener to this podcast. So we've invited you on to this particular episode because it's the Roundup episode. We've had uh, eight or nine episodes published now since September of 2021, and you've listened to them all. Thank you for that. You've done your homework. <laughs> so we wanted to we wanted to reach out and chat. And for people who haven't maybe heard all of the episodes maybe give them a little summary for people who are interested in the themes that we've covered. We want to talk about them as well. So over to you, Timo. What did you take from the episodes you've listened to? Well, I'm, I'm going to switch this around and I'm going to ask you some questions. So we can <laughs> interview each other. So but like, let's start with, let's go straight to the point. What were our favorite episodes? So why do you start? What was out of the, the ones that you can remember? What's the, what's, the, what's the ones that jump out and why? So, yeah, um, there were so many. Um, the, I think the one about the charging of electric cars, episode 43, getting smart about charging electric cars would have to have been my favorite. I mean, anyone, I, I run a number of podcasts, this one, the Climate 21 podcast, the Digital Supply Chain podcast, and anyone who listens to those will be aware that electric vehicles are a particular, you know, passion of mine. I, I've been talking about them for a long time. Uh, I, I drove my first fully electric car back in 2010. It was a prototype Nissan Leaf. It was one of two that were in the, uh, in the world at the time. So, you know, this has been something that I've been banging on about for ages. And that particular episode was really interesting because it was with a startup company. So a lot of times if we have companies on, they're partners or their big customers. But this was a small company, a small German startup based out of Munich, uh, ChargeX. And they have come up with a way for uh, companies who want, for example, who want to roll out electric vehicle charging infrastructure, they've made it easier for them to do so. So they, they, they liken what they do to a power strip you know, one of the things you plug into the wall and then you can add extra plugs on so you can plug in more devices into the one plug in the wall. It's the same kind of idea that ChargeX have come up with, where you initially get an electrician to come along to install your very first charger. But then if you want to install more chargers for 
new more vehicles as you extend your electric vehicle fleet you can do it yourself you don't need to get an electrician back because they already have the infrastructure in place and the software to do it to manage the whole thing so for organizations who are starting out with maybe one or two electric vehicles but plan on further down the line adding more to their fleet this is a fantastic solution and of course it backs into sap as well so they can do things like you know companies who are doing this can then manage charging can manage uh, billing i mean can manage you know all the other aspects of having electric vehicles in your fleet so for that for me that was the the, the highlight one i mean as well i, I loved the the uh, lise uh, company lizzie who you know set up a platform for retailers to do rental uh, where they would normally be doing uh, just straight out purchasing. So, you know, so if, if the, the, one of the examples they used in that episode was they work with Decathlon in France, for example. And if you go camping, you know, to the countryside and you're going to go in a tent, you know, and you don't happen to have a tent, your normal thing would be, okay, I'll go down to somewhere like Decathlon or some sports outlet. I'll buy a tent and I'll buy the sleeping bags and I'll buy the insulation for the floor and all the other bits and pieces that you would want to go on this camping trip. But that's going to cost you, you know, a few hundred euro, maybe more. Uh, and then you'll have done that camping trip and you'll store it all away somewhere in your home and maybe never use it again or use it again a year later or whatever. Whereas with the Lizzie platform, Decathlon can now offer these devices for rent. So you can go to Decathlon either online or physically to their store, book the tent for however long you need it, and then give it back. And that particular, that individual tent is used by you and then it's used by someone else a week later and someone else a week later. And so, so it's not staying in storage. It is actually getting far more utility for the resources that went into the manufacture of that tent. And of course, they refurbish it every time and you can leave recommendations, you can leave ratings, all that kind of thing, the usual kind of stuff. So, you know, those two episodes were fantastic. There was one on the circular economy right at the very start with Wesley Spindler and Stephen Jameson. That was great as well. That was the first time I heard the expression regenerative business. That was a superb episode. So it, it's really hard, as you can see, for me to pick out which which episodes were, were great. They were all great, which, but which one would be a favorite? Gun to the head, it's going to be the EV charging one. But that's just because, you know, EVs are such a passion of mine. How about you? I, I live in a city and I haven't owned a car in uh, over 20 years. <laughs> so my favorite wow. electric car is an electric bus. Right. I was looking at the Bloomberg New Energy Ventures site recently on electric vehicles and fully 40% of new bus sales now are fully electric buses globally. So it's it's wonderful. I so I say I live in the heart of Paris and there's a whole bunch of really loud cars and motorbikes that go past yeah. all using diesel and then a, a big packed bus full of people just glides past oh, almost fantastic. silently and it's just uh, I really hope the future of transport is uh, a lot more along those lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, so my favorite so 40 episode 48 as you mentioned with uh, Tanguy Frecon of uh, Lisée renting as the new buying I, I just applying that model of, hey, if you go skiing, you rent your skis because it's easier and cheaper and more convenient. 
why doesn't that apply to more things? Mm -hmm. And he went through the logic of it. It was very convincing. Then uh, I also loved the uh, Race to Zero episode 40 with uh, Stephen Jameson, as you mentioned, and uh, Wesley Spindler. Um, Basically, I learned a lot out of both of those episodes. And then the, <laughs> my last favorite is uh, was about the future of work, uh, rise of contingent workforce with the CTO of Vish, of uh, SAP Fieldglass, Vish uh, Baliga. Again, because I learned a lot about something I didn't know about, just how much of the work that goes on in companies around the world is done by people other than your employees and just how important it is to take that into account. Again, it was around 40% or something like that that he said was was contingent. Well, he estimated about 50% of the work that gets done is done by people that don't work for you directly. And so it's important to know who those people are, especially as you start moving towards more gig economy, mm -hmm. when people are changing careers a lot more often, and you're talking about a network of networks, it all comes together as you think of people as more the ability to move from job to job to role to project over time and then being able to keep track of that across an ecosystem, yeah. you can see why that makes a huge amount of sense. And it makes, us, it makes sense for the employees as well to have one place with you know all the records of all the work they have done. I remember I was at a Web 2.0 event in Berlin. Web 2.0, I'm giving away my age at this point, but it was back around 2006, 2007. And one of the guys speaking there was a guy called J.P. Rangaswamy, who was at the time CTO, I want to think, of British Telecom. And he was saying that his father had had one job his entire life, whereas J.P. had had seven jobs at that time in his lifetime. And he said he fully expected his kids to have seven jobs simultaneously in their lifetimes. And, you know, that speaks very much. I mean, he said that in 2006 when, you know, there was no such, no one had heard the expression gig economy. And now it's it's on everyone's tongue. And, you know, this, uh, this episode spoke to exactly that. It was really, 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 really interesting. Well, I'm not really qualified to talk about that because I've been in the same company now for 30 years. <laughs> so... <laughs> Some things don't always change. Um, so those are the, the favorites. Let me ask you a question. What did you enjoy about hosting these? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I think it's the variety. I host the Climate 21 podcast, as I mentioned earlier, and that's really interesting because it's another topic that I'm quite passionate about. But it's quite narrow. And I also host the Digital Supply Chain podcast, and again, that's really interesting because it's, it's you know, people talking about stuff that's really important right now, supply chain. It's not as narrow. It's quite broad because we define uh, supply chain as everything from the, 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 the planning, the engineering, the manufacturing, the delivery, the operation of devices in the field, the whole thing. So the whole gamut. But still, it's still narrow in that it's supply chain, whereas the industry's one is so broad. I mean, you mentioned some of the episodes there, everything. You, you didn't mention rail, for example. <clears throat> we did one on rail. We did one on telecoms. We did one on circular economy, which is broader again. Uh, we a did bunch, bunch of them on retail, retail and CPG and shopping. Yes, I mean, the whole point of the industry forecast is to go through different industries. And then, I mean, one of, the, one of the things I found interesting is some of the common themes that came out, that there are some areas where everybody has been struggling 
with the same thing fundamentally. The most obvious one is change. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can rarely think of a period that has been subject to more change than the last uh, year, year and a half because of the pandemic. Uh, on top of all of these uh, trends that were already accelerating, any other themes that uh, or that you came across out of the different uh, episodes that you hosted? Yeah, I mean, I think we've referred to it already. Uh, sustainability was a big one. And I think that's going to be a big trend going forward anyway. In fact, I know it is. And I know it is because the regulations around sustainability are changing enormously. And they're changing because of uh, the Paris Climate Agreement from 2015, the science-based targets, the fact that we have to get to net zero by 2050, uh, and the kind of milestones that we'll have to get to before then. Here in Europe, we have agreed to a 55% reduction in emissions by 2030, which is incredibly ambitious. And I think a lot of people don't realize the kind of level of systemic change that that will require. And that just gets us to 2030. And that just gets us 55% reductions. We still have another 45% after that. And the first 55% will be the low hanging fruit, which means the 45% after 2030 will be even harder to get, which means even more changes, you know. So yeah, sustainability has been up until now, very often a nice to have, but going forward, it's going to be a requirement and it will be mandated to be a requirement because, you know, we have to get our emissions down. And so we're going to get all kinds of legislation requiring companies to measure, set targets, measure and report their emissions, for example. Uh, So yeah, sustainability is one that was in several of the episodes, even even the the 2021 was the year of rail, for example. So we had an episode about rail. And of course, rail is a far more sustainable way to travel. You mentioned electric buses in, in Paris, Timo. There's a great quote by a guy called en- Enrique Peñalosa, who is the former mayor of Bogota, where he says, a developed country is not one where poor people have cars, it's one where rich people take public transportation. And I I love that quote, because it speaks to the importance of public transportation. And it's one, I mean, it's so important to use that as a lever for getting emissions down. I mean, the amount of people you can get on a bus or on a train is extremely high compared to personal transportation. And if you get the emissions down on those, then straight away, that's a big win for everyone. Another couple of episodes that talked about sustainability. We well, the the episode fifty one after COP twenty six, uh, I thought was fascinating with uh, Michael Grove, CEO of Topolytics. Yep. He had some great quotes. Um, it's all about analyzing rubbish data. <laughs> um, in in other words, uh, waste is. Uh, he said waste is just a resource in the wrong place. Yep. Uh, the idea is that one person's waste is another person's input. Uh, that and your quote I liked as well. People talk about throwing things away. There's no such place as away. 
it ends up in a hole in the ground or leaks into the environment unless it's unless you move to a more circular economy where you use the outputs of one thing into the inputs of another or you're again using the analogy of nature yeah. um, nothing in nature is wasted it, it always goes into the next part of the cycle so how can we mimic that with the world economy I thought that was fascinating uh, and of course the episode 40 we mentioned um, the race to zero regenerative business models I of course wanted to put in an extra plug there for SAP responsible design and production so we are trying to help with technologies that help organizations eliminate waste uh, create connections uh, so that you can connect the waste of one industry with the input of another and then drive new business models to try and figure out how to do this better. And it, it really is fundamentally digital and it's fundamentally about networks. So it's very much uh, something that we're excited about. Yep, absolutely. Um, other topics or other themes that I think were across several of the episodes were the use of data. I mean, you alluded to it right there with topolytics and the use of data from rubbish or rubbish data, as, as you said. But of course, uh, we had the one about streaming, you know, streaming data, well, streaming content. Uh, and of course, that is very much around data. Uh, essentially, I hate the expression data is the new oil because... Uh, I don't think oil is a good thing, given <laughs> given where we are with climate change and stuff today. But the 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 importance of data has now become extremely obvious to everyone. I think, and the 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 fact that more and more devices are becoming connected and smart means they're generating data and transmitting data, and of course now it's required was well, not required but if you want to really take advantage of your investments you need to capture that data and turn it into actionable insights and you know that's happening across every industry so as well as increasing importance of sustainability moving forward we're definitely going to see an increasing importance around data and ways to act on that data Absolutely. It was mentioned in almost every episode. Just some quick examples. Episode 50, how automation is helping Maple Leaf Foods save time and money. So Manny Key of uh, Maple Leaf Foods and Paul Smith of SAP talked about the uh, intelligent trade claims management. So this is applying machine learning to, we won't go into the details of what trade claims management is, I but it's just... I think we should just... Okay, just, all right, you, you go ahead then, go explain it. <laughs> so, now that you're an expert. <laughs> so it, it's, 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 I mean, everyone, everyone's familiar with it because it's when you get a promotion for some store that you go to, it might be coupons in a newspaper, more often it's now something electronic where you get a, a, a discount off something that, you know, you might go buying maybe it's 10% uh, off your next purchase of a liter of milk or something like that. So you go to the store either physically or online, you make your purchases, you enter your discount code or your hand over your coupon, and then that has to be rebated. So the, the, the store owner who has, you know, given out that promotion to all the customers or a subset of the customers, then claims that back against the company who manufactured whatever it is if it's milk or if it's cheese or if it's meat or whatever it is so they submit all the claims back and that's what we're talking about the company who has put out that promotion for whatever product it was 
then gets all these claims back and has to match the claims against the promotion. And it's a horrific manual, menial task, if that's not redundant, that someone has to go and go, here's a promotion, here's a claim, okay, that goes with that promotion, and go all the way through it. And the, the, it, it, it must just be soul-destroying to be the person going through each line item there and trying to mark one off against another. Yeah, Paul, Paul Smith gave the industry averages, so it takes around 50 days to, to do these, and it costs around 5K to do 1,000 claims, so it's expensive. And um, they're hoping to get that down to uh, a quarter to a fifth of the, of the time and the uh, the spend. And then uh, Maple Leaf Foods was already better than the average, but they're seeing some great results with the uh, the pilot use of the technology. So... And what the technology does is it does the automatic matching. So it'll match, I know, up, up to about 80% of, of, the, of the claims automatically. And then, you know, it'll, if, if it's not sure, it'll spit out the last 20% for someone to do it manually. So they're, you know, that's 80% of, of the work done automatically. That's a huge time saving. Another nice episode about uh, using data was, let's see, uh, episode 42, where they were talking about um, retail and using data to customize. So that was uh, Akim Schneider of SAP Retail Business Unit and Michael Sch Schiebner of uh, GK Software. So a partner of SAP that has a platform that helps create that truly personalized omni-channel experience. Basically, the kind of experiences that we all expect now with the retailer. They understood who they are. When we bought products, they can recommend other products and so on. One of my favorite parts of that episode was actually where he talked, touched on sustainability um, with the next generation technology that can look at, for example, fresh produce, strawberries, tomatoes, mm -hmm. and then detect when the quality is going down and then and using sophisticated algorithms, determine at what point they should start discounting so that that product gets out of the store before it goes off. But wait, you've now given a discount, so you're making less money. So maybe, though, you could increase the price of a, an annex product. He gave the example of you lower the price on strawberries and then you raise it on whipped cream, which would be sold <laughs> at the same time, so that your overall profitability would say the same. But it's just I, I thought that was a lovely win-win opportunity using technology. He also cited the um, the Costco example of using of using analytics and machine learning to create algorithms to optimize bread production, again using cameras. So they detect when the 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 bread that is left is probably not enough to cover the demand that's expected. So create more bread, but not so much that there's going to be wastage at the end of the day. Fun fact, did you know that the very first business use of computers was in the UK in 1951, uh, Lions Tea Shops, and the very first successful run of that technology was computing how many sandwiches to make for the next day to try and minimize waste. So th that, that use of that technology in that particular area has been going on for a long time. Wow, I had no idea. Live and learn. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I loved as well the, the, the example in that one where they use machine learning to do things like, you know, hang on, you're buying spaghetti you want to get some pasta sauce to go with that. <laughs> so <laughs> really clever stuff. 
And then going back to the Charge X uh, example, episode 43, um, they they have lots of cars that need to be charged. There are more cars that that can be char- they can't be charged simultaneously. That would be, you know, that would Too be overkill in the infrastructure. Too heavy a draw. So we're trying to work out who needs the charge. Well, if a car is charged at the airport and you know that person gone for a week, you can charge it very slowly. They're mm. not priority. If somebody's just stopped for five minutes to have a coffee, they need the charge now. So being able to optimize who gets what when, I thought was a, a very interesting use of data as well. Yeah, yeah. And if it's in an employee car park as well, if people program what time they're leaving the car park or if they leave it overnight and they program in what time they're starting in the morning, then the system can optimize charging around that as well. So lots of really interesting things you can do there with with the data and with, you know, some simple smarts. And um, one of the big topics for me that I'm always like talking about we talk a lot about technology, but at the end of the day, it's all about people. So at least a couple of episodes touched on people. One was episode 49, um, how HXM, uh, human experience management, can potentially help the trucking industry. The other one was, as we've mentioned, episode, episode 45, the future of work and the rise of the contingent workforce. So both of those really emphasizing just how poor, important people are for industries and for all of this innovation that's going on. And one point that was kind of thrown in at the end of the one on trucking, just as a as a as by the way kind of comment, which I thought was actually kind of crucial, was uh, the fact that what hasn't happened enough in the trucking industry is the money given to truck drivers hasn't kept pace with the cost of living. And that's been a huge factor and that needs to be taken account of as well. I mean, their their relative income has fallen drastically over the last 20 to 30 years. So yeah, no wonder we have a shortage of truck drivers. And then the working conditions, it's uh, it's the part of an ecosystem is not just the pricing, it's the way they're paid. They're not paid for when they're um, waiting around or if they're loading the truck, it's only while they're on the road. And the facilities, if you're spending your life in a truck, uh, then... You know, you'd like to go somewhere clean um, when you have to go into a service station and so on. Um, touching on people, the because uh, we touched on this and I, I thought it was important. We talk about machine learning and the importance of that in creating efficiencies and doing things in new ways. But one of the things that I like to emphasize, because I've come across this many times talking to customers, is uh, every time it's been an opportunity for the existing staff to stop doing work they hate, the drudge work, mm-hmm. the, it's, it can be complex, but it's not interesting. Um, so freeing them up to do more interesting things. So talking again about the uh, maple leaf uh, foods example. So there's a whole, there's huge teams of people that look after this paperwork right now, but they are now freed to A, work on the more complex cases because they actually write off a whole bunch of these things. They're just too complicated to deal with. So just, okay, we'll just write that some off. They can now chase it down. Uh, and two, they can actually work on making the system better, which they didn't have time to do before, right? So if you can automate the existing thing, you can actually work on building the next generation of it and doing it truly efficiently. Yep, yep, yep. Co-innovation? I guess the the final theme that I'd like to mention is just co-innovation. And the whole point of this industry series is 
to emphasize the opportunities of organizations working together in a particular industry. So there's technology, but then there's context and know-how and connections and networks and bringing that together is how we get the innovation. So one of the constants theme was uh, was co-innovation with ChargeX, for example, working with them on these electric charging platforms, um, on transportation in general, lots of different projects because you know, I, I, there's a, a project from uh, Daimler, for example, uh, a couple of years ago, they won an SAP Innovation Award for their a pilot platform for the, uh, what do they call it, the operating system for transport in the future, where they take all of their investments across their car division, but they also have um, like taxis and uh, car sharing, and they know they need to connect to public transport. So, we, we all know that that has to be a system for mobility in the future. What does it look like and how are the data flows and how does it all work? So this is something that we're working with a lot with SAP. We're part of a um, consortium called uh, Katina X, which is fascinating. Uh, it's basically trying to help all of the players in the in the car or automotive industry work together to create the future of what the industry looks like because it's clearly going to be very different from today. Um, and then just other examples of GK, uh, the omni-channel, you know, it's an extension to the SAP platform. So we, we know that we can't cover everything, so we want to work lots with uh, our partners and customers to create those add-on solutions that work for specific industry and niches. Superb, superb. Great. We're coming towards the end of the podcast now, Timo. Is there anything that we've not talked about that you think it's important for people to be aware of or any questions I've not asked you that, you know, you wish I had? One of the things that I'm a big believer in, in general, is um, that we spend our time and our resources for these kinds of shows talking about what people really care about. So if there's anything, one thing that I would encourage people is please give us feedback. Give us feedback on what you'd like to hear more. Um, and if you have a great story to tell, uh, please contact us and we'll try and get you on the show. Fantastic. Fantastic. And to that, you can reach out to me at any time on any of my social networks. I'm very visible on Twitter. I'm very visible on LinkedIn. Or just send me an old-fashioned email, tom.raftery at sap.com. Reach out anytime. Okay, Timo, that's been fantastic. Uh, thanks a million for coming on the podcast today. Thanks a lot. I'm looking forward to the next episode. <laughs> Great. For everyone who's listening, quick note, next week, 30th of December, we're taking a break. So there'll be no episode. Sorry about that. If you were hoping for an episode on the 30th and you haven't listened to all the previous ones that we've talked about today, feel free to go back and tune in on those. Otherwise, wait We'll have a new episode coming out on January the 6th. Really, really interesting one. And every Thursday thereafter. So lots more great episodes coming up. Just we needed a little bit of a break. So compliments of the season to you all. Thank you for taking the time and your interest. And have a great break. We'll see you in January. Thank you for listening to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast. If you want to explore our industry portfolio to find the solutions you need to run your business better, faster, and simpler, please visit us at sap.com/industries.